0: You're listening to Reality San Francisco's weekly podcast. For more audio content or information, please visit us at realitysf.com. Exodus chapter 20 um, and then Hebrews chapter, chapter 4. Before I get started and before I, I read Exodus from our, our text, a, a, little, um, a little, I don't know, Service announcement. I should not be teaching this sermon. Um, I should actually, I should have brought in a guest speaker to teach this sermon. Uh, I should be in the pews this week with you listening to this. But this is the way God had ordained it. Um, I've been studying for this. And as I have been studying, I realize that I'm not only am I not good at what we're talking about, I am flat out disobedient in what we're talking about. And um, in, my, in my study and preparation for this sermon, I've done a lot of repenting, A lot of reflecting, um, a lot of kind of readjusting and reorientation with my wife Ashley. We've been talking about this subject of Sabbath and rest. And because I'm learning this practice, I'm going to rely heavily on other people that I've read that are really good at this. And uh, I'm going to ask God for grace, because again, I should not probably be up here um, doing this, but I want you to know as as I, I take this teaching as seriously as I want you to take it, I've adjusted some things in my own life and um and repented on a lot of stuff so so i'm gonna rely heavily like uh, a minute like eugene peterson who's like the sage of sabbath and who just has practiced it so well and i've learned a lot from so let me read and then um let me pray ask god for grace verse verse eight remember the sabbath day to keep it holy six days you shall labor and do all your work but the seventh day is a sabbath to the lord your god on it you shall not do any work, you or your son or your daughter or your male servant or your female servant or your livestock or the sojourner who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made heaven and earth and sea and as all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 9, so then there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For whoever has entered God's rest has also rested from his works as God did from his. Let us therefore strive, work, to enter that rest, so that no one may fall short, um, may may fall by some sort of disobedience, excuse me. For the word of God is living and active and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing the division of soul and spirit, the joints and the marrow, discerning the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. And no creature is hidden from his sight, but all are naked and exposed to the eyes of him to whom we must give an account. Let's pray. God, I thank you for your word. Uh, even as we're reading in Hebrews 4 that it's living and active, I believe it's alive. It's, there, there is a way that it's going to speak to us specifically, individually, um, separating the thoughts and the intentions of our own heart, of those things. Like, yeah, I want to do that, but, and, and the, the word of God's going to cut right to that. Or, yeah, I do that, but maybe we don't. We're just lying. and The Word of God cuts right through that. So, Holy Spirit, by Your Word, I pray You would teach us and rebuke us where we need to be rebuked and comfort us where we need to be comforted and and reteach us and reorient us the way that we're, we're places that we just got, I got it wrong, Lord, and we're seeing it wrong. I ask for Your help, Your grace. God, you know, I, I'm really bad at this, and I'm, I'm want, I want to grow. And so I ask for Your grace as... We together submit ourselves underneath this, this word, in Jesus' name, amen. Well, we, we as you guys may know, I'm um, living in this city, I don't know if you've lived here for any uh, stretch of time, but if you've moved here to work, a lot of people do, they move here from the East Coast, they move here from university, grad school, to work, and, and in the culture that we live in, especially the culture that we live in in San Francisco, um, it's a culture that justifies taking every waking moment and using every waking moment to accomplish tasks to be productive, to work, work, work. And I don't have to say much, I don't have to press this that, that, that hard for you to understand that when I say you guys, are, you guys overwork, I think a lot of our souls just kind of go, yeah, I do. Whether you're religious or spiritual or Christian, you follow Jesus, no matter where you're at on that spectrum, no matter what, who I say this to, you overwork and you time for your soul. There's something that ministers to us, there's something that, that, that resonates with us, that, that we say, yes. I work too much, I need, and we kind of, we might interpret it like this, I need some me time. I need me time, I need to restore, and there is something about that. There's some time where you need to stop and reflect and restore. And that's what I want to talk about today. A lot of us feel, when we're not working at our jobs, convicted to work on relationships. Have you ever done that on a Saturday or a Sunday? You're off of work, like, who have I neglected this week because of my overwork? I have to work on those relationships. So it's more work, more work. And then everyone here suffers from the fear of missing out. Everyone does. We grab our social media and like, oh my gosh, someone's doing this and someone's doing that. I want to be there. Why don't you invite me? And you get all these invites of your community group and then your community at work and then your university friends that live here in the city with you. Like, you get in invites from everyone and you don't want to miss out on everything. So you go to three things on your day off and you're exhausted at the end of it. And we don't rest, so we live in a culture that can justify anything as long as we're getting things done, never mind what it does to your soul, never mind what it does to the people that you love the most. But this idea of Sabbath, Shabbat, that we're talking about this morning, this idea of Sabbath reminds us that we are loved for who we are, not for what we can produce, and when you even, I want you to read that, I want you to see that, I want that to sear in your mind, that you are loved not for what you can produce, maybe you believe that, you are in here, you're like, I am valuable because of my my portfolio, because of what I've accomplished, these people have done, use my product, these people have done, I'm hired by this company, I work 100 hours a week, I produce. Sabbath is stopping, and I know there's something about that right there on the screen, That 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 does do something to your soul. Well, you're here and you go, I am not who I am because of what I produce, but because I'm loved by God. Sabbath stops and says, let me reorient my life around this. I am not who I, what I do. I am not what I produce. I'm not what I have. I am because I'm loved by God. And you tell yourself that. And this idea of Sabbath becomes, at that moment, countercultural. Our whole, If you think about it, our whole culture is about overworking, our whole culture, your, your startup culture breeds that. Your finance culture breeds that. Uh, as you're in medical school, everyone overworks, and the most countercultural thing you can do as a Christian is go, I Sabbath. Well, how selfish of you to Sabbath. I Sabbath, and I stop, and I reorient all of my attention towards God because it's God in whom I live and move and have my being and not jo- my job, not my career, not what I have, not what I do. And that's what I want to talk about this morning, this idea of Sabbath rest. And the way I want to do it is first look at a little bit at work and then look at what it looks like to rest. Because I think you guys need to realize that work is good. I think a lot of you guys know that. We all, a lot of us love our jobs. We love what we do. Work is a part of the Garden of Eden. I don't know if you know, if you read in Genesis 1, work didn't happen after Genesis 3. It was actually before Genesis 3. Work was a part of God's created order. Work was a part of how God made the world. It was a part of, um, the Hebrews called the shalom of God, the peace of God, how everything worked in harmony together. Light, night, day, sea, sea animals, sea creatures, humanity, animals, there's harmony with our ecosystem, there was harmony with God, there was harmony. Shalom. Work was a part of that shalom. Genesis 2.15 says this. The Lord God took the man And put him in the Garden of Eden to work. To work the Garden of Eden. And to keep the Garden of Eden. See, work is pre-fall. Actually, the opening pages of Scripture, God is revealed to us as a worker. If you were just to read the Bible and start in page one, because like a lot of us do, like, I'm going to read this book, we start at page one. The first thing that we're going to get about God is that he works. That God is, his hands are in the dirt, creating, his hands are in the dirt, architecting and doing construction, forming and shaping. Genesis 1, God is shaping the world for human habitation and animal habitation, causing it to function and to work together. God placed man in the garden to work and to create, and he couldn't do that alone. He couldn't work alone. Even as an image bearer of God, God is a community. And even as an image bearer of God, man couldn't do it alone, so God created Eve. And Adam and Eve were co-laborers, working for renewal, working for the common good, working uh, as together for the shalom of God, creating together, building society together. But a lot of us in here think that our job is have a hard time finding, we might love our jobs. The thing I think the question that comes up a lot of times for us is finding meaning in our jobs. I hear that a lot from from people, I love my job. I just want to find meaning in it. What am I doing this for? Yes, I'm creating this beautiful thing and I'm making good money, but what am I doing it for? And finding meaning is, is some of the problem. I think one of the questions I get most often is the question of meaning. Work can be a grind. It makes us live for the weekends. But often, our work spills over into our weekends. We work late nights. We work into the weekends. San Francisco is not a restful place. The city is overworked and our work keeps us from sleeping and so we take sleeping pills or we have a nightcap. Our work keeps us from focus and so we take pills to help us focus or drugs to keep us awake which is permeated inside this culture of overworking and you probably know that if you work in any of these industries. Or an ungodly amount of energy supplements or drinks. Something has happened to our work where it's not work anymore. It's not about creating for the common good. We make work about our justification for living. We make work about our validation. That's why our job never really satisfies us. That's why we're always looking to the next thing. And and, and it breeds this this sort of um, heart of, it makes us stingy, makes us selfish with our time, greedy, prideful, jaded. Even when we're doing the jobs that we love to do. This last month um, in San Francisco Magazine, Mayor Ed Lee uh, put the growing affluent tech community on notice. He said, where are all the new philanthropists of San Francisco's tech boom? Lee does this um, Tech Tuesday where he goes around to different startups and, uh, and, and tech companies and, and talks. And every single time he says, I remind them, all these young people, about the older generation of generous givers to San Francisco. The reason why you love San Francisco so much is that philanthropists and people who've made money in this city have given back and they built museums and hospitals. They built they built parks like the Golden Gate Park. They even have something to do with things that you like to do like that little thing called the Hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival. And if you've ever been there you walk in you're like, "Why didn't I pay for this?" Like, how are all these bands free? How are they making money here? They're not. Someone who was very rich, I mean a lot of money in the city, said, I like bluegrass music and I want to expose San Francisco bluegrass music, so I'm going to pay every year to bring in these bands to bless, maybe not bless, maybe they wouldn't use that word, <laughs> for the common good of San Francisco, so you and I go to the hardly Strictly Bluegrass Festival and enjoy it because someone gave back. And Mayor Ed Lee goes, where are those, at? They're make, people are making so much money in San Francisco right now, are you giving back? why? Why? Has this tech boom been so stingy? And the writer says, the tech crowd, for the most part, has yet to spread its wealth around, at least in ways that make visible difference in the life of a city. Overall, the article goes on, there's a sense of libertarian stinginess prevails among San Francisco's digital elite. Where's this from? Why why do we live in a culture of overwork and undergenerous people? We are overworked and we're undergenerous. Well, something the Bible says has happened to our work. In Genesis chapter 3, one writer has called it the vandalism of Shalom. Genesis 3:17 says, "Cursed is the ground because of you." The effects of of, of sin, the effects of breaking, the shalom of God was this. Uh, curses the ground because of you, and pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring for you. God said, by the sweat of your face you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. Out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and dust you shall return. What God is saying is that you're going to fight your whole life for work. You're going to get bread on the table, and you're going to get food, but it's going to be by the sweat of your brow. It's like the the whole working life is going to be cursed. You're going to fight against the dust, but here's the deal. You're going to fight to find meaning, but in the end, the dust is going to win. You're going to fight dust all all your life, and in the end, guess who's going to win? Dust, because you're going to be buried in the ground. Because of our sin, our work is cursed. Our work is broken. Our work doesn't work anymore. Because of Of sin, work, can become a type of slavery. Now, I don't say that lightly. I don't say that like, ooh, he's trying to be like provocative, the pastor that's provocative. I'm I'm saying that in all honesty. And slavery can become our identity. And I want to show you what I mean by that by explaining to you what God does about it. If you have a Bible, since you brought it all the way to church, open to Exodus 20 and Deuteronomy 5. If you don't have a Bible, I have a cheat sheet on the screen, but go there in your Bible because you've already brought it anyway. You might as well use it. Exodus 20, Deuteronomy 5, turn there. These are two different renderings of the Ten Commandments. One in Exodus, the other in Deuteronomy. Deuteronomy, the word literally means the second law or the law once over. And they both, both of these written by Moses, he, Moses grounds the Sabbath in two different realities. So when you look here at the Sabbath command in both Exodus and Deuteronomy, they look a little different. And what Moses does, he grounds them in different realities. And I think for us to understand what's going on here, we have to explore that a little bit. So let's do that. Exodus 20. Moses writes, these are actually God says, Moses writes, but God says, remember the Sabbath day. To keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath to Yahweh. We talked about that last week. That's the Sabbath to the Lord your God. For in six days Yahweh made heaven and earth and sea and all that is in them and rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Okay, that's Exodus. Now let's go to Deuteronomy. You'll notice a, a slight difference here. Observe the Sabbath day to keep it holy as the Lord your God commanded you. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. Okay, it sa- stays the same there, but here's where it changes a little bit. You shall remember that you were a slave in the land of Egypt, and the Lord your God brought you out from there with a mighty hand and an outstretched arm. Therefore, the Lord your God commanded you to keep the Sabbath day. Did you notice the, the, the subtle differences there? And if you didn't, That's why I'm your pastor, and I'm going to tell you. (laughs) Notice, Exodus grounds the Sabbath in creation. Deuteronomy grounds it in liberation. Exodus grounds it in creation. Deuteronomy grounds it in liberation. And we need both of these realities in our lives as followers of God, and I would say as mere humanity. We need both of these realities in the theology of rest. See, the word Sabbath is the Hebrew word Shabbat, which we, if we take into our language untranslated, simply means quit, stop. You are to quit once a week. You are to stop once a week. Again, like I said, I'm going to rely on Eugene Peterson here. He says this, Sabbath means quit, stop, take a break, cool it. The word itself has nothing devout or holy in it. It's a word about time denoting our non-use of it what we usually call wasting time do you ever feel when you're when you take a day off and you do nothing don't do you feel a little guilty do you do you aren't you like wired even like physically isn't your physical body wired to be doing producing something like even when you have a day where you're not doing something don't you want to like at least go see a movie so you can say you did something like, what did you do today? I saw that movie that I've been wanting to see. Or I went to that restaurant, everybody's talking. I want to say I did something. Can you imagine a day where you could look someone in the eye and with sincere honesty said i done nothing today? And you would feel like an utter failure. You're like, I've done nothing. I've been non-productive in human society today. But this is exactly what Sabbath is. God said, stop for a day. Don't produce. Now, why would God say this? This word, Shabbat, is a common word. It has no religious or spiritual content. It simply means whatever you're doing, stop it. Whatever you're saying, shut up. Sit down. Take a look around you. Don't do anything. Why does, why does Exodus appeal to creation? Here's why. Sabbath, to begin Sabbath, this is where you have to start. God is in control. Now, of course you know that. All you overachievers, mentally, you know, brilliant, know that. Oh, yeah, God's in control. But you don't practice that. Do you stop once a day and go, I'm not going to answer any emails today. I'm not going to work today. I'm just going to be today. No one, you don't do that. Like, if I did that, I wouldn't have a job. If I did that, I wouldn't have a sense of meaning. I wouldn't have a sense of purpose. I can't stop and just be today. Are you crazy? You have to work every single day. What if you just stop one day and like, I'm not in control of my job. Or my promotion. Once, one day a week, I'm gonna stop and just be and not do anything. That's what Sabbath is. And the reason why it's first rooted in creation is because God wants you to realize He made it all anyway. And He causes it to function, He causes it to work. Everything works because God says it works. And it works the way that God intended it to work because God is in control. If you remember in our Genesis study, we went into more detail on this, but. When God set everything in order, day seven, what day seven really means, it's, it's really about God causing everything to work. And in the end, everything is very good. And then he takes up the job of the one who's at the control tower. He's the one who's in control of everything. Even narratively, if you're reading Genesis, there's this rhythm that happens day one, day two, day three. There's this night day rhythm, there's this it was good rhythm. But Genesis chapter 2, when it gets into day 7, the rhythm breaks entirely. It's God said it was good. He rested. He ceased from all his labor. He looked back. It was very good. It's as if it points, day 7 points to, uh, as, as a clue to the meaning of creation. God caused it all to work. God brought order out of chaos. did all these things. And day 7, he sits back and goes, it's now, I'm in control of it all. It's now doing exactly what I want it to do. Now, so why do we have to rest? Why does it point back to God being the creator and Him resting? John Walton says it really well, and I'll just quote him. He says, God is asking us to recognize that He is at the controls, not us. When we rest on on the Sabbath, we recognize Him as the author of order and the one who brings rest, stability to our lives and the world. We take our hands off the controls of our lives and acknowledge Him as the one who is in control. Most importantly, this calls, us, this calls on us to step back from our workday, those means by which we try to provide for ourselves and gain control of our circumstances. Sabbath is for recognizing that it is God who provides for us and who is the master of our lives and our world. This is what Sabbath means at its, at its core, at its basic function. You are not in control. God is. And you're like, well, I know that. Well, then if you believe that, then stop for a day and do nothing. You mean not work on relationships, not work on, like, not work on my job, not just be? Like, yes, just do that. Can you imagine a whole day doing that? Wouldn't you go crazy after two hours? You know you would. But God says, learn this discipline. Sabbath is not just a day off. Some of you guys are like, well, I have, I have every weekend off. Israel work, was called to work seven days. I only work five. I take two days off. No, I'm not talking about a day off. Eugene Peterson calls um, uh, a day off as a bastard Sabbath. Pardon my French. The motivation behind a day off is completely utilitarian. The purpose is to restore strength, increase motivation, reward effort, and keep performance incentives high. The end result of a day off is more work. Actually, the book I was reading by Eugene Peterson, he, he confessed that, When he was young and in ministry, he didn't practice keeping a Sabbath. And before long, he knew something had to change. He recognized he wasn't working out of obedience. He was working out of fear. He said, I was working out of a fear of not succeeding. I was working out of a fear of the judgment of others, a fear of letting someone down, a fear of letting God down. We work and we obsess over work because we think we're in control. We think we're God. Now here's, here's the moment of confession. This is me right now. This is why I said, I don't think I should be teaching this. I went to the pastor's meeting on Monday, confessed to the pastors, I work seven days a week on this church and for this church and with this church. And I need a Sabbath rest, not just so I can come back and be a better, refreshed Dave. Because I think, Underneath it all, I think I'm in control and I'm working seven days a week out of a fear of not succeeding as a, as a pastor or not succeeding as a, a failing at at, at le- failing at a sermon or letting someone down or letting God down. That's why I, it's really hard to turn my email off. That's why it's hard not to always be working on Sunday's sermon. That's why it's always hard not to be working on the church and thinking of ways to do this and ways to do that because I think that I'm in control and I repent of that, and I need to take a day off where I don't do anything on the church, and I don't look at my notes, and I don't think about Sunday, I just am, and I let God just just be. That's me. I know that some of you, I know that you work and work and work, and it's not because, well, because they need me, they need me, they need me. It's because you think they do, because you want to be needed. That's where you get your validation, That's where, and I'm saying that to me as well. I mean, I just said this, guys, in March in our identity series, and I'm saying it again. And you think I learned it in six months, but I, or however long that was, but I haven't. Something that God keeps bringing me back to, because I always, the default mode of our hearts is to find our validation of the things that we do. And because we live in a world that is ignorant of the work of God, we overestimate the work of man. I have to stop and say, this is not my church. This is Jesus' church, and he's in control of this church. I'm not at all. I have no control. It's just his church, and you are his people. I have to tell myself that over and over again. I have to practice that by stopping. You have to realize that the job that you have is because God has you there, and God has called you there. You need to practice that by stopping. Stopping. A Sabbath rooted in creation is about being, not working. It's about ordering my life to the priority of God. This is what, this is what Sabbath practices and communicates. This, this, look, on, look on the screen. Sabbath practices and communicates my identity flows from God, not what I do. If you started your Sabbath day, whatever day it is, that way. My identity comes from God, not from what I do. That's what Sabbath is. The Sabbath communicates, and this is what Sabbath practices. Sabbath is a time of reflection. Sabbath is a time of celebrating. Sabbath is a time of releasing control. Eugene Peterson says the best way to Sabbath is this, to shut up and show up. That's Sabbath. To shut up and show up. Shut up your laptop, shut up your, your work, shut up your, all the stuff that you have, go, shut it up and then show up to the presence of God. Make yourself expose your heart and your mind and your family and whatever you're doing to the presence of God. Stop whatever you're doing and make yourselves available to God. A friend of mine, his name is Michael, he's planting a church in Tribeca in New York City. And as he's planting this church, they haven't started it yet, it launched yet, he... Um, he started, like, trying to get his family into a rhythm, a practice. So you can get, as you're doing anything, any, any job you're doing, and the same thing can happen to ministry. You get into ministry idolatry where you think, you know, I'm, I'm this, I'm that. And in order to fight that, he said he tried to build in rhythms right now before they launched the church. And so he sent them to me, and I want to share, share them with you. He said I can share them with you. This is what he has on his fridge, and this family practices every week. This is his, his guide to the, the, the family Sabbath. It's be prepared. Be prepared so that we can actually rest. For them, this means getting laundry done, having meals planned, so they can just rest. So they're not running around doing chores and duties. They can just rest. Be present, meaning fast from media that stifles relating, focus on sharing moments together. Be playful, doing things that are fun, that make you laugh, and endure you guys to one another. Endear you guys to one another and to life and like share moments and stuff. Be playful, have fun together. And the last one was be prayerful. Be intentional to remember God's presence and commune with him. I think that's a real, and we're gonna put this on our website this week, just something that you guys can remember. How do we, how do I Sabbath? Here's a, a simple way to, to Sabbath, just, Come in prepared. Plan for your Sabbath. Go I'm taking the Sabbath this day, next week, and I'm going to make sure that stuff is done so when I have, when I have a day of rest, I'm going to rest. That's Exodus. But why does Deuteronomy rooted in liberation? This is, this is my favorite one. Deuteronomy says that you need to stop and rest. You need a Sabbath because you are no longer a slave. Remember in Egypt... Hebrews were slaves. Meaning they were denied any choice in the matter of work and rest. They didn't have a choice of rest. There was no option. They must work. And they, and that choice was made for them every single day. Day in and day out. And they worked under taskmasters and slave drivers that made them produce bricks. And a slave master says, your worth comes from how many bricks you produce today. Your worth comes from your production because you're a slave and you will do what I say and you will produce those bricks and you cannot rest if you rest you will get a whip to the back and if you don't produce your quota you're fired or you're dead we will kill you because you're only as good to us as what you produce rest was for other people rest was for people like pharaoh but pharaoh couldn't rest unless you did your work I mean, he wanted to rest in his big palaces and have these huge monuments to be remembered by. And that's not a reality unless you worked and you worked and you worked and you worked. More bricks, more bricks, more bricks. Exodus chapter 1. So they ruthlessly made the people of Israel work as slaves and made their lives bitter with hard service in mortar and brick and in all kinds of work in the field. In all their work, they ruthlessly made them work as slaves. You know what the Sabbath was? When God told the children of Israel once they were released from slavery to Sabbath, the Sabbath was a middle finger to the man. You don't own me. And I can rest. I'm not a slave anymore. I can rest in my God and my Deliverer. Job, you don't own me. Relationships, all the things that I think I have to keep in the air, you don't own me. Only God owns me, and I'm going to rest In Him. Sabbath was a gift from God. Going, hey, here's my gift to you. You're not slaves anymore. Rest. Have no work. And then they were to build this into their community. They were to build this into their own lives, their own their own servants that they had. Sabbath was a day a week where you were going to learn that you are simply loved for who you are and not for what you produce. And Israel is to make their whole household observe this, even their servants. They were to build this into their families, into their businesses. You are not what you produce. Can you imagine 6 p.m. on a Friday, your your boss calls you into the office, has you sit down. He says this, tomorrow, I want you to take the day off. I'm not going to call you in for work. I'm not going to call you about work. I don't want you to check your email. And here's why. I want you to know that your value and your worth do not come from what you produce for this company. I want you to reflect on a job well done and to celebrate it, rejoice, and tomorrow, restore your soul. Have a great weekend. Can you imagine if your boss said that? Like, you'd walk out going, okay, first of all, I love you. You're the best boss in the world. Second of all, you would leave just so liberated. I don't get my identity from this job. I am not what I produce. Now, of course, your job... Is, your boss is probably not going to say that. But that's what your God is saying. You are not what you produce. You are not the size of your home. You're not the size of, of your bank account. You're not, you're, not, you're not what you make. You're not that. Whether in a negative way, you're going, oh. or in a positive way, you're going, yeah, that's where I find my identity. Either way, what Sabbath does is the practice of tearing those things down. It's a practice of it. I am not my successes. I'm not my failures. And it's tearing those things down every single week. That's what Sabbath is. And this is why I think Sabbath is the most countercultural thing you can do in San Francisco. This is why I think Sabbath is a way to, is, is in a way to give, is to look at our work and go, you know what? You don't own me. I'm going to rest on a day religiously, if you want to call it a religious day of rest, it's religious. It's my religious duty. Now, again, not again, I haven't said this yet, so it doesn't really make sense to say it again. Um, legalism kills Sabbath. One quick way to kill a Sabbath rest is to go, I have to rest on Saturday from this time this time, and if I don't, that'll, that'll actually kill rest. If you have to do it or else you're in, and you don't do it, you're in trouble, that kills it. Paul writes in Romans 14, that since this new era of redemption, redemptive history has dawned, one day is not holier than another day. One person esteems one day, he writes, another different day. Some people call all days alike. But here's the point the day that you observe Sabbath might be a, a, a Saturday practiced by the Jews, it might be Sunday practiced by the early church. But the point is this is there a day, a time, a, or a time in the week where you turn off your phone, where you put away social media? where you don't answer emails, that you don't create, that you don't produce when your work is simply to be and to enjoy the presence of God, where you stop and ask God to put you back together. Maybe you had a really gnarly week and you had failures this week, or maybe some crazy things happened to you this last week at work or in life, where you can sit before God and go, God, could you heal those things? Instead of me rushing around trying to fix everything, trying to control situations, trying to email, send that giant email, apologizing, God, can you just start, could you just reorient my heart and fix me? Can you put things right? Can you help me on ways I should respond? How do I react? How do I, this day, realize that it's not in my control to control everything? Can you restore my soul? When we don't find this rest, this solemn rest, work, becomes the base of our meaningfulness work is is at the core of our identity and there's no rest when that happens and the reason why there's no rest i mean you can go to sleep at night maybe some of you guys can't but the reason why there's no real rest is because you can't maintain this identity you can't maintain this level of meaningfulness you're only as good as your last sermon speaking to myself you're only as good as your last pitch your last relationship your last, whatever you worked really hard at getting, your last paycheck, your last sale. See, there remains, Hebrews 4, 9, there remains a Sabbath rest for the people of God. Guys, for those of you that go, oh, isn't that Old Testament? We're not supposed to like Sabbath rest? There remains. I think there needs to be, especially in this church, in this city, there needs to be a Sabbath rest. For the people of God. What is that rest? That rest isn't an event. It's not a person. It's not a church. I mean it is a person. It's not a church. It's the person of Jesus. Matthew 11 says, come to me. Which is so radical. Like what Jesus is saying is that, okay, you guys have this rest in a day. It's not about a day. It's about me. Like come to me. The rest is found in a person. The rest is not a vacation. It's not eight hours or nine hours of really good sleep. The rest is found in the person, the person of Jesus. And Jesus is a person. He's not an idea. He's not a program. He's not a religion. Jesus says, come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. It's a rest that God gives you. It's a rest that's bestowed upon you. It's a rest that, that it can happen in a moment. It's not like, well, after I sleep, the sleep cycle, and after I've taken this vacation, and after I've done my... It could, it could be a rest that can be given to you right now. It's a rest that God goes, boom, rest for your soul. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart. And you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus is saying that the rest that we all want, the Sabbath rest, is found in Him. He is that rest. And it's a deeper rest that we get from sleep. It's a rest of our souls. Because our work is... And I know not a lot of people say this, but our work is how we try to justify our existence. Our work is is how we find meaning, which is a form of slavery. And no one is saying this, but this is exactly what's happening. Actually... Someone said it. Rabbi Shmuley said it in our, an article in the Huffington Post earlier this year. Uh, uh, in this article about moral failure surrounding this uh, careers that are very successful, he says this. Even as they, people that ascend the heights of success in their career, even as they ascend the ladder of success, they do so with a gaping hole in their center. And whatever accomplishments they shove into that hole, money, fame, power, it goes in one end and out the other. They never feel good about themselves. They never are content. They are defined by instability, by voraciousness. The the rule of success is that there is nothing on the outside that can compensate for the feeling of failure on the inside. Many of us are trying to justify ourselves by our work by the things that we do, by what we will be remembered by. Sabbath means cease. Stop working and believe. Embrace the person of Jesus Christ. Our freedom, our rest is found in him. And that rest can be right now in a very real way. Hebrews talks about let's labor into that rest. Guys, it's going to be work. This is the irony of it all. It's actually work to get into this rest. This rest isn't like zinning out, like right there on your chair. That's not. That's not what it talks about. It's like actual work. Like you're gonna have to stand up. You have to get off of your chair and come forward and take communion and respond to God. Sometimes that's work. For some of us that have these hard hearts of like, oh, I could, I could do it myself. Like that's work. It's work to come and ask for prayer for the prayer team. That's work. It's work to come and kneel. That takes work, but it's a work that gets us into this rest. Where are we going, God, I'm, I'm coming to you. You are my rest. You're my Sabbath. You're my meaning. You're my hope. It's not found in these things. It's found in you and you alone. Church, please, let's practice this discipline. Let's show the city in the healthiest way that our hope is in God. That our hope is in God. I think the, one of the clearest ways and probably the most counterculture ways that we can do that today is stop working and go, hey, I'm not working today because my worth is found in God. Let's pray. God, I thank you for this church and I thank you, God, that I know, I know this is hard, I know, and I, but I really believe, God, that this is a, a, a way that we can show that our hope is in God. A real tangible, very right now sort of timely way in San Francisco, we can show our hope is in the Lord. We Sabbath. We rest in Him. We, we practice this rhythm of, I'm not in control, and I'm not a slave. I'm freed because of Christ. God, I pray that it would, would change the culture and technology in the city, finance, medicine, education. It would change our culture, God, as the church, just going, we're just going to go back to what God said to do and rest in him. Our rest is in you, Lord. Our rest is in you.